What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. It has been a couple of weeks, and so hopefully you've missed me. Hopefully you've missed hearing my voice, that intro music, and the chaos that ensues when I get a microphone in front of my face for a half an hour or so. Well, we got a good show today. I'm Jonathan Fox. This is the It's John Fox Show. I'm so glad that you're here. For those of you that are longtime listeners, welcome back again. And for those of you that are first-time listeners, I don't know what to tell you. Um, you you are really in for a treat. Just, just it's going to be good. No, it really is. Today's show is going to be really good. I actually got to do an interview with our pal Bryce Landwehr. He is a... Uh, counselor at the Wellspring uh, Christian Clinic, and so as uh, as always, it's always insightful to have him on the show, so we're going to be talking today here in a little bit in a segment we're going to be calling Podcast Therapy. He's going to walk us through three of the telltale signs of um, when you're emotionally unhealthy or when you can see emotional unhealth in others, and so that's going to be really, really good. In fact, uh, super insightful on the end of these are very, very common things. And because, you know, I have been alerted to this over the last two years just through uh, a book that uh, my friend Demetrius Hicks had gone through, then our church, we went through it as kind of a team, then our church has really focused a lot of our heart towards this emotional health tied to our spiritual health and how those two things cannot be separated. And in fact, the more, the more emotionally healthy you are, the more spiritually healthy you are. Um, and sometimes it's not the case the other, the other way in that a lot of people can be perceived as spiritual and be super unhealthy in their emotional state. And so uh, we're going to get into talking about that with Bryce here in a little bit. Did an interview with him. It's about 20 minutes long. You're going to really enjoy it. Got a few things uh, on the end of some music and uh, actually some some games on the iPhone, maybe Android compatible, I don't know. Um, I don't really steer any of this toward Andrew losers, <coughs> users. Uh, it's just a funny little joke I have. Uh, but some funny, fun, fun games on iPhone that I'm going to let you know about. I also had a great article that I read. Jen one of Jennifer's co-workers, my wife Jennifer, uh, passed on this article. Uh, it was in the New York Times. Uh, this past September, uh, Timothy Keller wrote it, and it's how do Christians fit into the two-party system? They don't. And uh, so, you know, with politics being as crazy as they are, I thought I would kind of review this article. Um, again, it's from the New York Times by Timothy Keller, but it's really, really, really good. Um, very short read, but uh, I'll definitely uh, walk through that with you uh, here in just a little bit. Our big thought at the end as well. Um, I've got some interesting, cool stuff with uh, Wotown going on, so I'm going to let you know about that. And so, yeah, um, we just jump right in. Actually, in fact, I would just go ahead and tell you um, as far as tunage goes, and I'll post some of this stuff uh, like a tunage playlist and things you need to listen to. Uh, I don't know what music app you use to listen to music. You may not use any. You may be, I mean, I know YouTube is coming out with has come out with a music a way of, of uh, I guess, a music app. I think it's YouTube Red. Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't really checked into it a lot. But I was using iTunes Music for a while. It's not that great. Uh, its selection is limited on so many different levels. So I went back to Spotify. And I didn't know this, but some of the albums that I've been wanting to listen to, go back and listen to, I, I didn't know I didn't have access to until just last month. That's when I canceled uh, iTunes Music. And went back to Spotify, and there are a few bands. So I'm not listening to a lot of pop music, uh, really any at all. Um, there's a scripture that really kind of helped me solidify. I needed a scripture. We were talking about this at a conference, and I was really like, you know, I don't just need to be told not to do something. I really need I need scriptural reference for these things, right? So, whatever's lovely, whatever's pure, you know, put your mind on those things, and. My thinking had been a little bit off, and I started realizing, like, you know, if I was ever dealing with lust or anything like that, and I could check the music I was listening to, it, that's where it would be stemming from. Some of this pop music that I'm listening to, and I'm not, like, I don't want to be the old fuddy-dud that's like, you can't listen to pop music, but I'm serious, like, 
all these pop songs were about relationships, sex, wanting sex. Everybody's thirsty, you know. So I just I made this switch, and I've been listening to uh, a lot of um, you know Christian music, but not necessarily just worship music. I've been listening to some of the old bands that I used to listen to a long time ago, Five Iron Frenzy, y'all. Five Iron Frenzy. I don't know if you've ever listened to them. If you haven't, and you've got Spotify. I'm going to put them on the tunage list, but go listen to Engine of a Million Plots. Such a, such a good album. This is their last album. Go check out Switchfoot. My God, Switchfoot is probably the most underrated band of all time. Mute Math. Go listen to Mute Math. Jeez Louise, those guys made some killer music back in the latter part of the 2000s. Um, Man, just I went back and listened to some of these albums. I was like, "Geez, Louise." So anyway, I've been listening to um, Five Iron Frenzy. I was listening to the best of Switchfoot. John Foreman has four EPs based on the seasons. They're ridiculously good. Very creative music. Go go check out Mute Math. One of my favorite songs on there was uh, "Typical." Very good song. Such a good song. As a drummer, the the drums on that track are are. Very, very, very good. Um, so, yeah, I was listening to all that stuff. Also, just an FYI, Weezer has done a remake of Rosanna and um, Toto's Africa. Do yourself a favor and go listen to those if you like, um, you know, 80s music. Sorry, I had to get a sip of coffee. Um, if you like 80s music. And you like Weezer, then you've like I almost levitated. If the sea, if I wouldn't have been indoors, I would have gone straight to heaven. I would just right up. Very, very, very good. I love their renditions. Uh, always loved Weezer, and uh, but anyway, good stuff. You need to go check it out. Um, I also found this weird band. Um, I'm not going to tell you what it is until I listen to more of their music. Maybe on the next podcast, I'll give you a review of their music. But it is the weirdest coolest music I have I have listened to. I've listened to two of their songs and I'm like, these people need to be putting out more music. I'll give you a, a, a full download on them next time. But, let's uh, let's do this. Let's move on to some uh, iPhone games that you need to check out. If you're not a game person, you can totally block this part out. But I love um, a game you can switch to real quick. You know, waste three minutes. Um, so, First off, I, I'm I'm guilty of this. I watched a commercial, maybe on a YouTube video or something. Uh, what's his name? Ryan Reynolds or whatever. He's 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 like the front man for Tomb Blast. I'm addicted to that game now simply because I watched a funny commercial with him in it, um, and I downloaded the app. That's literally the only reason I download it now. I play it like all the time. So check out Tomb Blast. It's fun. It's just one of those pattern games. Uh, stacked up. It reminds me of Tetris in a lot of ways, except that you're not having to stack the blocks. You're just making, um, uh, you know, where there's multiples, two, three, four, five, busting the blocks, and they've got different barricades and options and all that kind of stuff and different power-ups. It's a real fun game. Um, there is a, a really cool, um, it's like a pixelated game, and that's really seems to be really hot right now. Uh, very, you know, the graphic detail is not very good. It's very minimalist. It's real blocky. Uh, but it's called Half Pipe, and you're just a skateboarder. Um, I believe it's made by Voodoo Games. Voodoo makes a, tons of these games, these little bitty games. Um, very simple, not a lot to it. But it's called Half Pipe, and you're a skateboarder inside a half pipe, and you do cer- flick your finger on the screen and do different tricks within a certain time frame. Um, very, very fun game uh, if you're, you know, looking to waste some time. Uh, there's one other game, though, that um, me and the boys, particularly Declan, play a lot, and it's called Z-Warfare, and it's a cartoon zombie game, and you have different levels. You're like in this big, huge school bus, and you pull into a level, and then you have different characters you can use. That Each character has different um, weapons or whatever, and as you go through the different maps, the zombies are different, and... They have different abilities, and so you have to swap up the the characters you're playing with to kind of use towards certain areas. You know, certain, certain some of them have like combat gear on, so the 
some guns don't work as good. But it's a uh, it's super cartoony, so it's not like crazy. But it's super fun. Uh, been one of the the games that uh, me and Declan play together all the time. And he they're tr- they're getting into some like of the multi-layered games where you have to accomplish tasks, um, and which is I, I guess it seems to be kind of the thing. But basically. They're really into those progressive games where you you accomplish something in here. You have to get so much money from doing these certain things to go on to the next part or to go into the next level. And so they're they really enjoy those games. I enjoy them as well. So you go check out those games. Uh, you got Z Warfare, Zombie Warfare, uh, Half Pipe, and uh, and Tomb Blast. And don't get addicted to Tomb Blast. But if you do get a chance to go watch the commercials. Uh, for Tomb Blast with Ryan Reynolds, they they really are hilarious and totally worth just the viewing pleasure, uh, at least. All right. Well, the other thing that I did want to mention is something I've tried. I, some of the parts of the podcast have been talking about stuff that I've used or stuff that I've done. Um, but so we kind of do a lot as a family, and I know that a lot of families families are very busy. Um, but one of the things that we're trying to always do is, number one, is trying to stay physically active. Me and Jennifer both uh, are a part of CrossFit, and um, you know, being active, working out, good for your body in general. But we love CrossFit specifically. Um, and one of the things that kind of – I wouldn't say this just with, with CrossFit. It's not. It's with you know anybody who's working out should know or does know, hopefully, that – the way you feel your body is going to change the way you do your workouts, and your workouts will then require that you eat uh, a little bit different. So it's 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 a give and take on the eating and the physical stuff. And so Jennifer signed us up for uh, Freshly. Uh, they make these meals, and then they ship them to you in an ice box, and you have to eat them in a certain amount of days. So no preservatives, none of that kind of stuff. Um, but they're these really, really good meals, and so we tried it. And then Jennifer didn't get the chance to cancel it, so we ended up getting a whole nother set. Uh, but they have a promo. I think if you go check out at Freshly.com or whatever, they actually have a promo where you can get six meals for $30, which that's not bad. It's about five bucks a meal, right? So, And you can't get a meal that is good for you like that anywhere uh, unless you're making it yourself. And for us, um, right now in this season of life, cooking and prepping meals is a very difficult task. Uh, with all the other stuff we we end up doing. And I'll tell you that it was, uh, those meals were super awesome, super good. Um, They tasted good. They were a a good portion. Um, Portion control is huge, right? I mean, I don't know anybody that's really great at portion control. I like to eat until I am just miserable a lot of times. I actually did for a while. I would overeat every meal. I would be so miserable. But the portions are good. The meals are good. Uh, I've had everything from uh, just kind of pork dish. Um, I've had Fiesta chicken bowl. It's got all kinds of great stuff in it. Um, peppercorn steak, mashed potatoes, and green beans and carrots. I mean, just really good food. Um, and so I don't know if you are in the realm of needing uh, a meal prep service, but goodness gracious, it was very good. I would highly recommend it. I know everybody's trying to budget crunch numbers and stuff like that. It may not be something you can afford, uh, but if it's something you could at least try out and look at, and you know, you may look inside and you know, uh, getting a few meals like that a week might uh, might do you some good. So anyway, it was really good. I'm just re- I'm saying I'm not getting sponsored by these people, but I just recommend that uh, it was it tasted good, um, good portion sizes, um, super easy. Um, you know, it comes in a little package like a little Tupperware container looking thing. You puncture it uh, on you know both sides of the, the what's that the little film on top throw it in the microwave for three minutes or so and you're done super easy and then again it's hard to find stuff like that that you can get a good meal out of that you pop you know that you pop in the microwave you know so very good definitely recommend it uh, but on the side of things that we've done here lately so I've got a drum set now I uh, was able to get the uh, some drums. I've been waiting on this for like a year. I've been waiting for an opportunity to buy some drums. Didn't want to spend a ton of money. Let me get another sip of coffee so I can get through the rest of this. Didn't want to spend tons of money. Uh, I haven't had a drum set in probably eight or nine, eight or nine years, probably. Um, and so 
weird story. Jennifer uh, was getting a tattoo, and we were walking down the, this area uh, in our uh, our town um, to go to the tattoo parlor, and there was this this uh, building for rent, and inside there were some, some drums sitting in there. I was like, I need to call this number, see if they're interested in getting rid of these drums, and I ended up not calling them right away. I called them like a month and a half later. They were like, yeah, sure. So I ended up going in there and piecing together this atrocious-looking drum set. Um, where I'm recording right now, I'm actually looking at it, but um, I've had a snare drum, and so I was able to get um, three cymbal stands, no cymbals, of course, and no cymbals, uh, and I was able to get a pop rack tom, my two floor toms, the kick drum, and I think that was about it. So I need a few more things for it. But uh, Jacob White, uh, my pal, let me borrow some cymbals so I could get the feel of it and the drum seat and all that kind of stuff. But I had a snare drum. So just color-wise, my snare is like a burnt orange color. The first tom is like a speckled green and gold on top of a blue and purple splatter paint, a black kick drum, a solid royal blue floor tom, and then another speckled green and blue and just, uh, but anyway, the most hodgepodge thing you've ever seen in your life. Funny thing is, I put a new head on the top tom, tuned up the third, the fourth one, uh, the third tom needs a little bit of work. The kick drum's solid. The drum set doesn't sound that bad. I mean, I was actually very, very excited about how good it sounded. The kids lost their mind. They love it, and so uh, really fun. And I'm trying to, I was even telling uh, a group of people from our worship team last night that, like, I'm not, I'm not a big sports guy. I'm, I'm not into certain things. And I think about as far as, like, why am I not passing down what I love to my kids? And so I've been on this journey for the last year of just enjoying some things that I love. I love music. I always have. I love creative endeavors. I'll tell you a little bit about Wotown, some stuff we're doing with that here in just a minute. Um, but I've just really enjoyed getting back into that. And the other part that's fun about it is the fact that my kids like that, too. And, you know, just the idea of, like, everybody passes down something to their kids, and this is something I want to pass down. So we got the drum set in here. Um, I'm working on uh, getting some stuff together for, like, somebody, some people that ask me what I want for Christmas for parents and stuff, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to get some some stuff for, for music. T- you know, I'm going to get some stuff so I can pile it in here in the garage, and then we can jam out, have a family, man. It'll be awesome. Well, on the Wotown, just a little information about Wotown. So um, Caleb Shaver, um, C&J Photography, did a photo shoot with the kids for the Crazy Kids collection that we have. We also just added a new shirt called the Crazy Llama to that collection. It was actually a drawing that Kingston did, and we made it into a shirt. It's pretty sick. It's really funny, uh, but it's super bright and super awesome. So we, uh, we went and did a photo shoot with the kids at a playground uh, for all the shirts on the website. So you can actually go find that collection. It is the featured collection on our page. So if you actually open up Wotown.store, you'll see the Crazy Kids collection as the first collection. Um, I want to say there's, there's close to 10, 10 items in that collection. Uh, and then for adults, we did a photo shoot with me and Jennifer for the black and tan collection, which is really our big fall push uh, until after Thanksgiving, and then we did a, uh, a few shots with the matchstick collection, and that is a sweatshirt that has uh, a match on the front of it, and the text kind of goes around. You can check all that out at Wotown.store, uh, and we're going to be doing some cool stuff at the end of the year. We're going to do something uh, for Black Friday, and then we're going to have like a Christmas special too. So it'll be real good. It's going to be fun to um, to do the store. In fact, I'm really going to be pushing Wotown next year. Uh, we're going to be doing some really fun stuff. So you definitely want to go to stay up to date with the store and um, stay up to date. You can follow Wotown Creative on Facebook, like our page on Facebook, and then you can also follow us on Instagram. And so I am really, really heavily pushing Instagram and Facebook stuff and we're going to be doing all kinds of great stuff. We've even got a couple of collections in the works, uh, one of them with our pal Katie King. The other one is with my friend Caleb that um, from CNJ Photography that did our photo shoot. We are doing a minimalist verse collection. It's also on the website now. It's the, the collection is available. We're just not pushing it real hard right now. 
But uh, you can go check that out as well. It's one of the featured collections down at the bottom of the page. Uh, but really, really neat idea uh, that Caleb had about making verses a like a minimalized verse. So instead of writing first like 1 Peter 2.16, we minimalize the verse to 1 P 2.16. And, um, and so they've got a... A simple design, very simple design, and then the minimalized verse. They're even looking at the possibility of doing some sweatshirts with just the minimalized verse on there, which would be pretty cool. So go check all that stuff out, Wotown.store, especially for the kids. There's some really, really fun kid stuff on there. I got a bunch of it for, for our kids, and uh, and they love they love their crazy kid shirts. Uh, they were at school telling some of their friends that, that, um, that I own the T-shirt company, and their, their friends were like, no, he doesn't. And then he said, yeah, we just designed some shirts. And they, you didn't design any shirts because this was Kingston's kind of um, project here. And <laughs> he came back in the next week with all, every every day of the week he wore one of his uh, crazy kid shirts. And the kids just thought it was awesome. So I know that made his day. But, yeah, you should go check it out, Wotown.store. Uh, we are uh, we're just pounding it out. So, Go check out the store. Um, well, what we're going to do is now we're going to jump into uh, our conversation with Bryce Landwehr, our podcast therapy, and we'll do that. Then when we come back on the backside, we'll talk through this New York Times article I told you about by Timothy Keller, and then we'll close up shop with our big thought. Well, hey, everybody. I'm here with Bryce Landwehr, our favorite counselor, the one who relieves us of all our stress and pain. It's Bryce Landwehr. Say hey, everybody, Bryce. Hey, everybody. Well, um, so I, I pitched an idea to you the other day about the possibility of doing podcast therapy. And I had a beautiful question, and I think it's really good. But because I even thought about this today, so I think you'll be, you'll, you'll be able to do this very easily because you, you were able to answer the question when we were talking fairly quickly. But three of what you would consider the the top three signs or like the telltale of someone not being emotionally healthy, uh, I was thinking this morning that I don't think people would consider this in their life a lot. They would be thinking situationally. Uh, if they're a Christian, they're going to be thinking maybe spiritually, you know, am I pleasing God or what? But this emotional thing ties into to everything we do, and so I think it's a very, like, uh, critical question to answer. But, like, how would you see that? Because a lot of times I don't think people even would consider themselves emotionally unhealthy because of the stigma around that. So for you, as someone who clinically looks at this kind of stuff, what would you say are the three telltale signs that someone maybe is not on the emotionally healthy side? Yeah, so we're going to look at, first thing, emotional reactivity. Uh, there's emotional reactivity. There's emotional decision-making. It's a little less impulsive. It's more of like a long-term uh, thought-out decision, but yet still emotional. And then you have emotional liability. I'll explain those in order. So with reactivity first, it's somebody doesn't have to control over their emotions. So in the moment, they immediately they immediately react out of emotion. These are people with anger issues or the opposite. You'll see people avoid, and as soon as there's a emotionally uncomfortable situation, they will say, deuces, I don't want to be a part of this, so I'm going to do whatever I can to either make the peace so we can all be okay, stuff it under the rug, or pretend that I'm on the same page with you in order to avoid the emotionally uncomfortable place of conflict. So they're they they're the other extreme of not anger outbursts, but no outburst at all when there needs to at least be a voice and opinion uh, asserted. And so a lot of codependent behavior on that end of emotional reactivity. Um, any thoughts so far before I continue? Mm, is deuces a clinical term or is that a street term? <laughs> That's street, and I've, I've utilized that in order to emphasize my clinical opinion right now. Is that okay? Uh, is that permitted on uh, this podcast? Hey, only question I had so far. You're doing great. <laughs> so emotional decision-making, 
uh, I want you to think of two different things, people and then substances, or people and just things. So emotional decision-making, I like to use loneliness as probably one of the most compromising emotions that people will make decisions out of. Uh, so I had a friend out of a lot of his loneliness. He eventually found himself attaching with strangers on Craigslist uh, for sexual encounters, right? Um, so that he could just at least not feel lonely for however he was long, however long he was with that individual. And so people became kind of a drug for him that he had to continue to encounter, and they were all attachments out of loneliness and the emotions surrounding that state of mind. So substance abuse is just where you use substances instead of people um, uh, in regard to emotional decision-making and substance abuse. It's, I don't want to feel this emotion. I'm going to suppress this. I'm going to alter my state of consciousness using a substance because it just works so fast. I, I think those are emotional decisions. Yeah. Any comments before I go to the last one? Uh, I think I'm going to save them for the last one. Okay, cool. So uh, emotional liability. Liability just means um, things are liable to change and shift from one state to another pretty quickly. And so if somebody's emotionally labile, we're talking about mood swings here. So the only reason I throw this up as a red flag is because in my line of work, this can indicate anything from a medical issue. If somebody's blood sugar has spiked, they're going to be uh, very intense, right? If they have um, a mental issue or condition, obviously mood swings can indicate that, and that's a big red flag. But they can also indicate personality disorders like borderline personality disorder, uh, which is all about emotional mood swings and emotional decisions and stuff like that. So those would be the three things, three telltale signs that something's unhealthy here. Yeah. So like, you know, when you're when you're with people, is does it seem does it seem difficult in a lot of instances, which I know if people are coming to get clinical help, you know, there's there's probably at least some ownership of, okay, I I don't I, I'm not doing some things right, or I'm not involving myself in this process. I'm not handling this the right way. I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. But do you find it, you know, those three things seem like I would say pretty surface level. I mean, to some degree, you're going to be able to see it and be able to recognize it. Do you feel, though, that sometimes that this is a difficult thing for people to believe about themselves in, in any three of those categories? Um, do you find it to be difficult for people to believe that, and uh, and secondly, do, what do you most commonly find are the reasons why people would come to that ownership of those three places, one of those three places, or all three for that matter? So the answer to your first question is, man, ownership is super difficult for people because their emotions will keep you nearsighted. You can't really yeah. see beyond your emotions. So it's hard to be objective when you're in the subjective nearsightedness of your own emotional situation. You're looking at through the lens of emotion, one perspective, and so you think how you feel. So, I mean, when was the last time you told somebody they had an anger problem and they were like, oh, my gosh, Pastor Fox, thank you so much. That was just, I needed to hear that in order to really own it, you know? Yeah. Um, at first, no one, unless they're just for some reason totally broken, we'll get to that in a second, to answer your second question, are they going to be willing to admit that? The same thing with the avoidance. It's, hey, you have a big problem with avoiding conflict, and that's that's actually an emotional reactivity in the midst of conflict that, that you have that keeps, um, keeps you – uh, really unable to uh, enjoy deeper intimacy with people, no one's going to go, oh, I was just waiting for you, somebody to point that out. Everybody <laughs> right. lives in denial until somebody's able to really introduce. And when they introduce, and there's the probability that they start thinking and then they become aware, self-aware, uh, and that personal insight usually comes after somebody's kind of said, hey, you have a, you have a problem. 
Um, the answer to your second question is at what point do they really begin to reach out and get help? I, I see a lot of young adults who go to college and they, of course, typical with a lot of college life. There's just a lot of emotional decisions that are made. You're an adult for the first time in the swing of your own authority and you make some emotional decisions that don't pan out too well for you. And then I have a lot of clients who never stopped making emotional decisions uh, since college or maybe even before, and their life is beginning to fall apart. So that's my answer to your second question is when they, when they begin to see emotional reactivity doesn't serve them well, emotional decision-making has only stunted their, their ability to grow, to grow, and emotional liability continues to uh, knock them two steps back, and they can't really seem to enjoy a sustainable happiness at all in their life, then they'll start crying out for help when they realize the quality of their life has has gone really sour. They'll be open to you bringing up, hey, I think you have an emotionally unhealthy way of living and thinking. It, it seems to be, at least, you know, I have a very limited scope, I would say, in life. I mean, I, I think, I guess everybody does. I mean, everybody has their own little micro world that they're managing and and they're, so they're trying to deal with themselves. They're trying to deal if they're married, their marriage or single, their friendships, the job, their career, kids, you know, uh, your spirituality. You're dealing with all this stuff. And, I, you know, I just seen a cloud of all that you deal with. And then specifically culture, I would say that culture is a very – everything you just said, those three distinct ways that we can tell – like if you were to lay that on culture, culture is very emotionally unhealthy, and so it's hard to to see. Even I think sometimes, I, of course, I want to always from from where I'm at as a believer want to push to the side of 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 a Christ centered culture. But you know, you you look at our culture, and our culture is is all three of the things you're talking about. So it's really hard, I would say, even to see just because culture outlines this as normal. I mean, people are getting on social media networking and they're losing their mind and and you know they may not do that at their workplace but they would do it on a keyboard or you know some people would go to a family event and they would you know avoid everything there but then come home and unload it on their family and it just seems so normative that to pierce that part of culture ingrained and then you know our own nature you got you got the the cultural aspect and then our own nature that's that way. It just seems really difficult to get a a wedge in there. And I guess my thought would be to keep everybody from trying to be a clinical uh, counselor, psychologist, um, psychiatrist, um, to, to keep everybody from being Dr. Freud and walking in and be like, hey, let me tell you these things about your life. Uh, just a, as like a takeaway, if somebody's like dealing with somebody that, you know, got some, as they're looking at their life, they're saying, hey, this person's pretty messed up. What would be a suggestion to some of those people um, as a practical step they could take? And it could be as small or as big as you like, but something that you see that is probably the le the least damaging to the other person and the relationship but still is able to address something that they're seeing the first thing you got to do is is you have to build a trust and a rapport with that person that you're you're not going to offer them this lecture because they'll immediately throw up a wall and so the first the best way to do that is to listen to them and get them to talk about their emotion. Tell me what you're feeling. Wow, you are really hot right now. Can you talk to me about, like, what are the thoughts behind that anger? Or I mean, which sounds clinical, so you don't have to really say it like that. You just tell them, just listen to them, folks. Just listen yeah. to them and let them know that they can vent their emotions to you in spoken word, and they don't have to act out in – uh, and their behavior in order to get a relief from that emotion. So even listening to them, you're already teaching them this is the healthy way to express your emotions. And then once you get that foot in the door and they, you're somebody that they can open up to emotionally, then you can begin to say, wow, um, that sounds so hard. I'm glad you told me. 
hey, do you do you see a pattern here? Uh, do you see how that decision was kind of kind of hurt you? And you and then you you have the ability to introduce the insight of perhaps you don't want to touch this hot stove again. Perhaps you need to think, and you place that that seed in their mind. Um, you know, so that's and that's essentially what 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 I even do as a therapist feels so much non-clinical to people when they come in. They'll say, I didn't know counseling could be like this yeah. um, because I think they expected me to lay them down on a, on this couch, you know, and get them to close their eyes <laughs> yeah. and think about their childhood, you know, only. Um, but just simply relating to them and being like, look, I'm somebody you can talk to. And if if you listen to somebody, they're more willing to listen to you back when you're ready to offer them the, the good advice that really culture doesn't preach to us yeah i mean and and kind of like just in closing like even my personal experience with um this last season from summer dealing with some of the stuff that i've been dealing with with you know just stuff kind of coming up from my past i know that like having the comfort of people listening uh to you you know my wife specifically some of my friends being able to kind of hear like what's going on in my heart and it, it was definitely affecting my mood. It was definitely affecting uh, my responses. It was affecting uh, the decisions that I was making. Who I, I mean, I was avoiding, you know, uh, there were just times where I was just miserable, didn't want to go anywhere, be anywhere. And I remember when the first time I came to your office, that, that's the person that came up. It's kind of like, you want to go ahead, and I've been saying this forever, but I want to even more so say it now, the stigma of getting help because help is not – you know, I don't feel like from at least my experience, help is not having people tell you what to do. Help is being <laughs> able to relieve all that junk that has just been Bingo. boiling in you and then Bingo. have someone that said, I just heard what you said. Now, I just want to re- I just want to walk back through what you said and let's <laughs> see if we can see this. And that's kind of when you said self-awareness. It's, it's yeah. incredible to know that everybody else can see it and you not see it and it can't change. But as soon as you see it, you can kind of start making those steps forward. Exactly. As soon as you see it, then you realize, oh, I don't have to be a slave pulled around by my emotions. I'm the one in charge here. And I think I'll exercise that control by simply learning to stop and identify, wow, I'm a 7 out of 10 right now on the loneliness scale, and I'm a, this is a, a red flag. I'm about to do something unhealthy, and, and I've known this. I know this now, and I see it as a pattern, and when people come into the bird's eye view of their patterns, they have this strange uh, – it's a strange phenomenon that happens where they, they feel like they're more in control now that they're at the bird's eye view, and they can therefore make a decision out of that intentionally to, to pause and not act out of emotion and maybe talk to somebody about it instead. Good stuff, Bryce. Yes, brother. Mm. Culture is uh, its a loud voice, my friend, of a lot of uh, emotional impulsivity. Do do what you feel. Do you. If you feel it, do yeah. it. If it feels good, do it. You know, It's tough to fight against that. It is. But there is hope. You know, I know that mine has, my experience is not the experience. I know that. But I do know that when you're in the middle of your emotion, you had said it at the beginning of while we were talking, but you you do not think objectively. It can be a big hole, you know, but you can get out of it. And I really do think that that's something, at least I've had some conversations here recently with a lot of people who are dealing with a lot of rough, rough stuff. And, and you, you know, you want to be like, well, and I don't just say you want to be this way. I actually say it. I'm like, I have no earthly idea what it is like to be where you are or do mm-hmm. go through what you've gone through. However, mm-hmm. what do we do next? Because th- if we keep doing this, this isn't going to work. And to see people realize that they're not going to be thrown, like they've made it to the at least to the lid of that hole, and they're saying, I need help <laughs> this hole that I'm not kicking him back in the pit by saying, you don't need to be angry. You don't need to do this. You don't need to. But like, hey, I get that you're angry or I get that you're upset or I get that you're depressed. But what do we do next? Because we can't – if we live this way, life won't be what it's supposed to be. And I know that 
again, my experience is not the experience, but just walking that process out and being like, I know what it's like to feel like you're in the hole, get to the top of the hole, kind of feel like you fell back down in the hole, but eventually kind of come out of it and be like, I get the opportunity to make decisions. I don't have to do this this way. It's, uh, it's always a good reminder. So I appreciate you uh, you uh, walking us through that. It's good stuff. Yeah, man. Oh, anytime. Anytime. I think one more piece of advice is just don't silver line people's situations for them out there. Uh, yeah. Everybody. Uh, it's it, when you're put in a position to be able to speak into somebody's pain, you don't want to be looking down in the hole saying, Woo, sure is dark down there. <laughs> you want a sandwich or something? You know, I mean, you know, as you're eating the sandwich that's in your hand or something. I mean, it's just. Uh, and, and that's a type of invalidation. They don't want to see and be reminded that you're up outside the hole and your life's awesome with your sandwich in your hand, you know, and they're down there starving. Uh, get down in the pit with them. Get down in the pit with yeah. them. That doesn't mean you have to get all super attached to them. It just simply means you can get down next to them and be like, man, it's dark down here. I'm just really glad that you let me come down here with you. Yeah. Well, uh, as that's a very serious point, but the ham sandwich – was a good illustration that I will now be thinking of quite often. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Uh, I find do you it. have a book full of clinical illustrations, and one of those is the ham sandwich uh, with the person in the hole? Because I want to see that one. Yeah, right. That's the ham, ham sandwich empathy. That's yeah, chapter three. It's still, it's still a work in progress. Um, you'll get the first draft, man. <laughs> I love it. Well, Bryce Landwehr, as always, thank you for a little podcast therapy. It was beautiful. You're welcome. All right, dude. We'll take it easy. All right, Jonathan. Talk to you later. All right. See you. Well, as always, tremendous stuff from our pal Bryce Landwehr. So hopefully you got something out of that. Um, Probably have him on. I'm trying my best to get back into a consistent rhythm of a weekly podcast, but it's, uh, it's one of those things where if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But, um, yeah, um, we, uh, we'll have him back on the show again. I've actually got a couple of ideas um, that pertain specifically to his field that I would love to get into more. So we'll, uh, we'll definitely do it. Um, so I wanted to get into this <clears throat> article um, in the New York Times by Timothy Keller. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good article – for certain people, and what the reason I say that is because if you struggle, <laughs> this is going to sound really harsh, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's my podcast, and you can turn it off if you want to. Um, most people do this whole politics thing very poorly because their Christianity, their following Jesus, does not filter their political stance. It's the other way around. People are usually conservative or liberal before they're Christian. They're either Republican or Democrat or Libertarian before they're Christian. And so you get a lot of their political views before you get the filtering of those views by their faith. So this is a very good article on the end that um, it, it's hard to be affiliated with a party completely um, because there's there's just no such thing that as a party that you could stick your roots in fully because these parties are both flawed. And, you know, um, a, a very interesting part, I'm trying to get to this. I was reading through. That's why I stammered just for a second. Um, so he said, one reason to not align the Christian faith with one party is that most political positions are not matters of biblical command but of practical wisdom. This does not mean that the church can never speak on social, economic, and political realities because the Bible often does. Racism is a sin, violating the second of the great two commandments of Jesus to love thy, your neighbor. The biblical commands to lift up the poor and defend the rights of the oppressed are moral imperatives for believers. For individual Christians to speak out against uh, egregious violations of these moral requirements is not optional. So we should. However, there are many possible ways to help the poor. Should we shrink government and let private capital market markets allocate resources, or should we expand the government and give the state more of the power to redistribute wealth? Uh, or is the right path one of the many? Excuse me. Or is the right path one of the many possibilities in between? 
The Bible does not give exact answers to these questions for every time, place, and culture. And he goes on through to talk about uh, a guy that was a, uh, from Mississippi. He was a conservative Republican and a traditional Presbyterian. He went to uh, the Scottish Highlands, um, and he, was, he basically had an exposure to Christians that did things a little bit different, and he came back with kind of this, um, um, uh, let me read exactly what it says. He returned to the United States not more politically liberal, but in his words, humbled and chastened. He realized that thoughtful Christians, all trying to obey God's call, could reasonably appear at different places on the political spectrum with loyalties to different political strategies. So I thought that was really good because, I mean, you get in some circles, and if you're a conservative, you're a piece of trash in the liberal sense. And if you come to some circles and you're, and you're liberal or vote Democrat, then you're a piece of trash to conservatives. People are like, how could you? Oh, my, how can you be a Christian if? that People say that kind of stuff all the time. And I think the point of the article is don't set roots in a political party because eventually that political party will have something that you cannot identify with. You, like your, your Christian faith cannot allow certain things to be the realities of what you say is your political party. Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, there are so many things on both sides that if you were to say, well, I'm a Christian and I fully believe in everything this political party, I, I think that's a little – that's a little backwards. There's no way you believe in every single thing that that party stands for. Um, and, you know, to be honest with you, that some, some of that rolls even into the idea of the church, whether you're non-denominational, Baptist, Methodist, um, the, the kind of systems that we try to build to really land ourselves so that we don't have to think of things in individual cases. We really like that broad stroke so we can just yes to everything or no to everything or um, inclusion on everything or, or you know, abstinence and everything, it just it doesn't work. We have to be people that can um, – I like the idea of we don't break rules, but we bend when it comes to certain things because of the situation, the circumstance. You can see that in the way Jesus handles things in the New Testament. A lot of times people would be like, okay, look, the law says we do this, and Jesus would be like, well, I'm not going to break the law. But I'm also going to bend your heart and your mind for a second so you can see another perspective of this. The law is good, but I want you to see this angle because this is a, this is a certain circumstance. This has certain people involved, and so let's just think about it that way. So really good article. It was written on September 29th by Timothy Keller, uh, New York Times, How Do Christians Fit into the Two-Party System? They Don't. Go check it out. It's a really short read, like I said, but very, very good and insightful. Well, all right, as we get ready to close up shop, we're going to do our big thought, and our big thought has to do with response. Uh, this is a big theme for me in what I see in God's working with people. It's also a big theme with me when it comes to when I interact with people um, on a regular basis. And what I've noticed is that there is a sense for which many people, including myself, lack the ca capacity to respond adequately to whatever it is uh, that we're involved with, whether that be a relationship or a situation, um, some trauma or, you know, our response is usually so lacking. Um, and, and every once in a while, we, I think we get it right, but I'm just looking at so many instances in my own life where I didn't respond to God well or a situation came up and I didn't respond well to the situation. I had an emotional outburst, sort of like what uh, Lance was talking about earlier in the, in the show. Like, there are these things that I don't respond well to. Um, sometimes my response isn't timely. In other words, I, I might ignore doing anything because uh, of fear or anxiety or whatever. But the crazy thing is, in the midst of all that, response is so needed. Like, it's, it's almost like if there's no response, then we have no measurement of what's going on. Um, I think that's why when people get in arguments and people are quiet, there's such this, like, tension because it's like there has to be a response. And, and even, like, in the preaching of the gospel, there either has – I mean, there's really no such thing as no response. Not responding is a response, you know. And, 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 and my thought is how do we do a better job of responding well? Um, you know, it, there, it doesn't – if you don't respond, that's a response. If you do respond, that's a response. But I guess the overall idea is – how do we respond better? And my thought is usually on can I think clearly 
about what's happening. That way I can respond well. Can I think clearly? Is there anything clouding my judgment? Is there anything, is there anything driving my motives or my desires in this moment? And once I can kind of clear those things, I think I'm able to respond a lot better. The, the cool thing is I think we can actually do that before we ever get to whatever the issue of the circumstances is, is to always be thinking, uh, and, and even you know, if you're a believer, to be praying in the vein of, God, I always want my response to be healthy. I always want my response to be well. How do I respond in this situation? You know, sometimes I'll be talking to people and they'll be sharing some really in-depth pain or grief or anger or something. And I'll be sitting there and I just, honestly, I'll just ask the Lord, how do you want me to respond to this? Or do you? you know, do you want me to respond to this? And if you do, how do you want me to, to do this? It usually ends up being a question. They usually end up, we'll say something to the person like, well, you know, what do you think you need to do next or whatever? And I'm telling you, if if I if we don't react, if we'll respond, reaction's usually clouded and it's got tons of issues with it and it's emotional. But if we respond, it's usually thoughtful. It's usually for the betterment of the other person. And um, I just challenge you, you know, do your due diligence. You know, if somebody sends something to you in a text message or calls you or asks you a question, don't ignore it. You know, even if even if you did it first because you were scared of what the the interaction might look like. Be willing to respond and, and be courageous and bold and be willing to respond even if that means it'll be uncomfortable. Um, you know, don't always react uh, based on what you hear. Take time to think. Take time to pray and really, really relieve yourself of the pressure to come up with something and let your response come from who you are and the God that's, that's molding you and, li and living inside you and shaping you. It's just a completely different way to do things. And so really encourage you, <coughs> excuse me, Learn how to respond, not just react. Um, so, well, that's it for the show, and hope you had a great time with us today. We'll try to be back again next week, hopefully. God willing, the creep don't rise. Uh, you can always follow along with the show on Facebook. You can also uh, look at Twitter. And then if you want to follow me uh, personally, you can do that on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well. And uh, also, as always, check out Wotown Creative. You can do that at wotown.store, and you can follow along, like our Facebook page, and like our Instagram. So, yeah, hope you have a great weekend, and we'll look forward to seeing y'all back here next time. I'm Jonathan Fox, and this is the It's John Fox Show. <laughs>